Well, let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm 19 for this session. And look at just one verse here, verse number 14, a powerful verse uh, for us today, I believe, Psalm 19 and verse number 14. The psalmist is, is praying here, and he says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. The words we use are a great indicator as to the condition of our heart. Only God knows our heart. Only God can see the heart. Uh, He sees beneath any persona that we might put on or any facade that we might portray. He sees our heart. In Psalm 90, verse 8, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins are in the light of thy countenance. So we don't have any secrets from God. We, we, we may hide some things from a friend or even from our spouse, but, but God sees the heart. God knows what's in there. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. The famous verse in 1 Samuel 16, where Samuel is going to anoint the next king of Israel, and he looks on the sons of Jesse and says, surely this is he, you know, the oldest. And, and God says, no, that's not the one. Look not on his countenance, the height of his stature. For man looketh on the outward appearance. But God looketh on the heart. So it is only God that really knows our heart. But it is our words that expose what's in our heart. How we speak, what we talk about. This is no doubt why the psalmist here is praying this this double prayer here. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. See, they're linked together. They, they go together. The two are inseparable. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. But an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So our words reveal what's in our heart. So what do your words reveal about you? What does your vocabulary reveal about you? Do your words reveal that you're an angry person? Do your words reveal revenge or envy or covetousness, jealousy or lust? Do our words reveal fear, frustration, worry, stress? Or do our words reveal love, faith, grace, hope, forgiveness, mercy, edification, encouragement? When words and phrases slip out of our mouth, Like, oh my God, 
That reveals something. When words like, geez, gosh, a phrase I hear so often that grieves me is I'll hear the phrase, what the? And we stop before the third word, but, but it reveals what's in here. I want you to consider some thoughts this morning when it comes to our words. And more importantly, our hearts. Notice the genesis of words. We learn to talk. We don't come out of the womb talking. (laughs) We have to learn to talk. Um, Parents work hard at getting their kids to talk. Uh, normally, a baby, you know, doesn't say anything. They make noise. Uh, they, they, they know how to get your attention. But there's no legible words or uh, discernible words coming out of their mouth. They, they, they have to learn those things. And so a dad gets in front of his, his, his son or his daughter when they're little babies, and he goes, Dad, 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 Dad. And he tries to get him to repeat it. Mom gets the baby and goes, Mama, Mama. Right? And, and it's, a, it's a race. It's a, it's a competition to see which word the kid will say first, dad, dad, or mama. I decided when my first son was born, I wasn't going to mess with that. I, I got a football in my hand, and I said, ball, ball. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, my, my oldest son, John, his first word was not dad, dad, or mama. It was ball. <laughs> so uh, I'm very proud of that. But, but, but you have to learn to talk. I don't know if I could prove this. I don't know if there'd be data to prove this. But a child is unlikely to say something they haven't heard. Now, I suppose, and I've seen even little kids who are just learning to talk, they'll say something that sounds like a word, right? And a parent will go, oh, he just said, you know, but... I don't know that he meant to say that, right? It may sound like words. So again, I don't know that this is true, but it, but it would appear to me that we've never said anything that we haven't first heard. You see, words have their genesis in what we hear. Because we have to learn to talk, so somebody is feeding us these words they want us to say when we're a little kid, like da-da or mama or ball. And so they're, they're telling us what, what they want us to say. And a child has to hear that before they can say that. So words have their genesis in what we hear. If you try to learn a foreign language, if you were going to a mission field, per se, or you were going to travel abroad and you were going to go to a, a culture with a different language, Uh, We all know that the easiest way to learn a language is to get around those that are speaking it. You can can look at a textbook and you can see words of another language, but it's going to be very hard to know how to pronounce those words without somebody telling you what that's supposed to sound like. Uh, Even in language school, or if you take a a, a Rosetta Stone or something like that, or Babel, where you're trying to learn a language through, through a computer, they're saying the word. You're hearing it so that you can mimic the sound of that word. 
So words have their genesis in what we hear. People can tell what we're listening to by our words. Are we listening to the wrong kinds of friends? Are we listening to things merely from social media? Or are we getting our words from our music or from a video game or a movie? Words have their genesis in what we hear. Remember when John, my oldest son, was about four, we were at a camp, a teen camp preaching in the summertime, and, and John was the kind of kid who wanted to go to all the activities. He wanted to be around the action. And so these teen weeks, boy, he, he wanted to go to every activity. Well, I couldn't go to every activity. I went to a lot of them, but I couldn't go to every one. There was one particular afternoon I needed to work on a message for that night, and my wife was caring for our daughter who was just a baby, and, and John just was, he was passionate about going to this activity down on the ball field, and we said, okay, John, you can go. Uh, you'll be safe down there. You stay out of the way, and you, you follow Mr. So-and-so that was leading it. And I said, you just, you just stay out of the way, but you go enjoy it, and when it's over, you come back because we want to make sure you're okay and, and you're safe and all that, so he agreed. So, boy, he went running out of there and uh, tore down to the ball field. And uh, about an hour or so, he came back, and he, it, was hot, it was a hot day, and his face was bright red. He had been running and, you know, enjoying that. And he came into that trailer. He was bright red and hot and sweaty. And he burst through that door, and, he's, and he said, Mom, Mom, I need a drink. I need a drink. <laughs> you know, he's thirsty. Well, my wife was feeding the baby in the back of the trailer, and I was sitting at the table studying. And, and my wife, she said, uh, I'll be just a minute, son. And he said, shut up, mom. Boy, the world stood still. I mean, it was like, whoa. I mean, my head jerked up and my wife kind of stood in shock in the back of the trailer. The dog came running. I mean, We had never used those words in our home up till that time. We, my wife and I never, never used that. We still don't. We've never in our marriage ever told one another to shut up. We, we might have said, be quiet a minute while I tell you what I mean. You know, but we've never said, shut up, right? And as soon as John said it, he kind of froze, and I said, John, where did you hear that? I knew he hadn't heard it in this home. I said, where did you hear that? And tears just began coming out of his eyes, and he pointed outside. He said, big kids, big kids. Well, he'd heard some teenagers tell each other to shut up. Apparently, it worked, so he thought he'd try it on mom, you know. <laughs> Our words have their genesis of what we hear. What are you listening to? Maybe we're struggling with some words, with some things we ought not to be saying because we're taking in the wrong things. But words not only have their genesis in what we hear, they have their genesis in what we harbor. See, it's impossible to not hear a wrong word. It's going to happen. I mean, it would be impossible for you to go to a secular job, work a job all day, and not hear somebody take God's name in vain. It's almost impossible to watch Fox News without hearing somebody use the word hell out of context or use the word damn or, or, or something like that in an interview. It's almost impossible to listen to a sports show or a sports game, a game 
without hearing something that's wrong as far as the Bible would be concerned. It's almost impossible not to read things on a billboard or see things in the culture that are going to they're going to go into our minds. So we can't live in a bubble. We can't we can't go through life and never hear something that's that's negative or something that is contrary to God. But what do we do with what we hear? You see, words have their genesis in what we hear, but then they have their genesis in what we harbor. Do we think on it? Sometimes we, we would say when using the wrong words or saying the wrong thing, we'd say, oh, I, I spoke without thinking. No, that's not true. You thought too much. See, what slipped out, you thought about. That's the problem. You harbored it. And so now, when there was a little bit of a conflict or a little bit of competition, that anger came out or, 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 or that revenge came out because you harbored it. We kept it. This is why the psalmist is asking God here to control his thoughts because those thoughts came out as, come out in, in words. That's why Paul said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. See, if we harbor the wrong thoughts, if we harbor the wrong things that we're hearing, it's going to come out in our words. The verse has been referred to already this morning, search me, O God, and know my heart Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Did you know Proverbs 24 and verse 9 says, the thought of foolishness is sin? You say, well, I didn't do anything. What are you thinking about? Well, I've never committed adultery. Have you thought about it? I've never, I've never killed anybody. Have you thought about it? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. For he'll have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Have you ever confessed your thoughts to the Lord? I mean... Hopefully, when we, when we sin outwardly, when we commit a, a wrong action, we're convicted about that and we ask God to forgive us. But have you ever asked God to try your thoughts? And as he puts his finger on something in your mind that ought not to be there, have you confessed it as sin? Because God says the thought of foolishness is sin. This is why it's so important that we saturate our lives with God's word. This is why it's such a blessing to have you men here on a Saturday morning when you could be doing so many other things in life, yet you've pulled yourself apart, you've come to a men's conference. Why? Because you're trying to saturate your mind with something that's right. Because this world is trying to fill it with all the wrong stuff, all the junk. And so the more we get in the Word of God and the more that we think about God's Word and the more we meditate on it, the more we memorize a Scripture and think about it throughout the day, the, the more that we get under preaching, the better off we're going to be because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. 
what we hear and what we harbor is the genesis of our words. But then notice, secondly, the greatness of those words. Job said in chapter 6, verse 25, how forcible are right words. How forcible are right words. And I think we could deduct from that statement how forcible are wrong words. There's a greatness to words. There's an impact that words have. Think about the powerful words found in Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Boy, God's words, how powerful they are. It is God's word that led us to salvation. As the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God's words, what power there is in them. Satan's words were powerful as well. Hath God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden? Powerful words. Plunge the entire humanity into sin. Likewise, our words have great power. In fact, Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You see, our words can harm. Our words can can harm others. They can do damage to others. James said the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Words can discourage Words can damage, words can demean, words can divide, words can destroy. They can destroy friendships, they can destroy relationships, they can destroy marriages, words can destroy churches, words can destroy nations. They certainly can destroy the cause of Christ. Our words can harm, but also our words can heal. How forcible are right words. Boys, ever... Has it ever happened to you where someone just gave you a a good word at the right time? A word spoken in due season, how good is it? A soft answer, turneth away wrath. That word that's like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Boy, there are times where, boy, you were just down, you were discouraged, and someone gave you a word of encouragement. Or times maybe where you needed some, some, uh, uh, some encouragement to, to take another step, to go a little bit further, and those words maybe that convicted or, or, or encouraged you to, to take that step, to make that surrender, to obey God, that word was just what you needed. Take that step. It's through God's words that we communicate the gospel It is through edifying words that we build up others. It is through encouraging words that we help the weary. It is through corrective words that we warn the foolish. Words. I work on a campus with 500 students and staff and faculty. We have, of course, a Christian school of about 400 as well. And so our campus is filled with people every day. Well over a 1,000 people coming here and there and going here and there, and I hear a lot of words. And I was thinking about the context of just the college the other day, and 
the students and faculty and staff and and sometimes you'll hear a good word and somebody encouraging someone else and sometimes you'll hear a word and you're like, well, how, where did that come from? Wow, that's, that's not good. Now, I was thinking about this the other day. The average male says 10,000 words a day. 10,000 words a day. The average female says 25,000 words a day. Now... If you go home from this men's conference and that's all you tell your wife about, don't blame me for what happens, right? (laughs) It is a known fact that women talk more than men. And it's proven by the stats. 10,000 words a day for men, 25,000 words for women. And, and, And of course, I know what your wife will tell you if you tell her that. She'll say, that's because you never listen. I have to tell you twice. That's the truth. But I got to thinking about that. That means, if my math is right, that on our campus at West Coast Baptist College, every day, there are 8.5 million words spoken. If we meet the averages, the average male and the average female hits their average of 10,000 and 25,000, I did the math. That's 8.5 million words spoken in that environment every 24 hours. And I wonder how many of them help and how many of them harm. Now, you can add up the number of words spoken in your home or in your church on a given Sunday or in your work environment. But may we have words coming from our mouth that help rather than harm. Because notice thirdly, the gravity of words. If I make a sound such as, hey, you hear that sound for a while and then it's gone. If I were to say it a bit louder, we would hear it longer. Hey! Science tells us that sound travels in wavelengths. We hear it temporarily, but then like when you throw a rock in a pond and the ripples go out to the shore, that's the way sound operates. The sound is heard, but it it ripples away out of our range. But scientists tell us that every sound that has ever been made is still out there. We just can't hear it anymore because it's moved out of our range. That's why Ecclesiastes 10, 19 says, Curse not the king, no, not in thy heart. Curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry thy voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Have you ever heard the phrase, a little birdie told me? How did you find out about that? Oh, a little birdie told me. Are there little, really little birdies flying around telling people what we said? Well, the idea is that sound, the words that we've used, they're still there. 
We may say something good or bad and not think about what we said beyond that moment, but we just sent that word on the journey. How many times have you thought this thought? I remember you said. Have you ever had somebody say that to you? I remember you said, and you thought, I don't remember saying that. They did. How many times in your mind right now could you say, I remember my pastor said in a message, right? When we use words, we send them on a journey. We think of it just in the temporary. We're just communicating. We're just operating within the context of that moment. But we just sent that word on a journey that could have a life way beyond what we could imagine. Everything about us has a life beyond the immediate. That's why it says of Abel, he being dead yet speaketh. Those things that you've said to your children, those things that you've said to your wife, those things that you've said at work, those things that you've said at church, they're still out there. And oftentimes we think of just ourselves in that moment and what we're trying to accomplish and and we don't think about how those words came across or or what those words may be meant to that person who received it, but but they're still hearing it. Most of us have been influenced in our life by someone who today is dead. But we still hear their words. I stood at the hospital bed of a dear friend of mine last week, Dr. Jerry Goddard. We had a, about a five-minute conversation. And I don't care to share that conversation with you. It's very, very personal. Billy Goddard's with the Lord today but I'll never forget his words to me. They'll live on. As long as I live, I will not forget some of the words he spoke to me on that deathbed. And I want you to think finally, not only about the life of our words, but think about the last word. Turn over to Matthew chapter 12. We'll close. Matthew chapter 12. These are the words of Jesus. In verse 36 of Matthew 12, he says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. God will have the last word about our past words. I'm sure when we hear a message like this, we think, boy, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. I probably should apologize for that. Well, I probably should never say that again. 
and what should motivate us every day of our life as we are privileged to speak is that God will have the last word about every past word. Are you ready to face the last word on your words? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these men. And Lord, many of them work and move about in a world that is corrupt, a world that is wicked. And they're exposed to language sometimes that is not pleasing to you. And I'm sure that many of them feel like when they get home at night, they have to kind of flush their mind and cleanse their heart as they approach their families or they enter the church on Sunday or Wednesday. Lord, I pray you'd help them to do so. May they not harbor those things that are evil in their hearts. We have access to so much technology today and so many things that feed us the wrong information. Lord, help us to be careful what we allow into our mind and heart. For as he thinketh, so is he. And so, Lord, may we guard our minds, our hearts from that which is evil. May we confess those wrong thoughts as well as the wrong deeds. Lord, I pray that we would think carefully about how we speak. For our words can harm or they can heal. May we understand that when we speak, our words go on a journey. We can never call back. One day we will meet the Lord with those words. So, Father, help these men. Thank you for them. May they be challenged in this conference to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.